Dr. Barbara Byers. Welcome once again to Voices of the Soul. Today I'm going to be talking about the true masculine and the true feminine. So I'd like to direct you to my website www.barbarabyers.com if you'd like the notes for today's session. Dr. Tom Howard said that the distinction between the masculine and the feminine is the mightiest and most splendid of all distinctions. It is an imagery rich and hilarious with liberties and joys so far beyond gritty vocabulary. It is mystery, it is deep mystery, the distinction between masculine and feminine, as I think most of us would attest. So the masculine and the feminine qualities within us really reflect God's nature. He has created us like Him in His image He's created us male and female, that's our gender, but our soul has both masculine and feminine qualities. So that's an important distinction I want to make uh, right up top, that I'm not, for the most part, talking about gender today. I'm talking about the masculine and the feminine. Whether we are male or female, we have both masculine and feminine within us. He holds, God holds the masculine and the feminine within himself. And he has made us uh, in his image and uh, he has designed us to, to be a reflection of who he is and to release himself into our humanity to reveal the masculine and the feminine. So <clears throat> this is vital to our identity as persons with the strength, and the initiative of the masculine, that's holy strength, and with the beauty and tenderness of the feminine, that's holy beauty. The relationship between the masculine and the feminine within us reflects the character of God. So it needs to be balanced and it needs to be ordered within us. And I hope by the end of this time you'll understand it a little better and then we're gonna pray that God will order that within us. Much of um, who we are has been lost or, or it's been discarded sometimes. And even in our creation, we can have some severe gender confusion about our own masculine and feminine identities. So I wanna talk about these two attributes within our soul. I think the voice of the masculine is I initiate, I act, I build, I establish. And the voice of the feminine is I receive, I respond, I nourish. These two sets of attributes need to be joined and ordered within us, as I said. They need to dance together and have a place together in our soul. But we can mistake these two aspects of our personhood just simply as activities or as roles. In fact, I've, I've heard it taught that way, the role of the masculine or the role of the feminine. But our activities aren't gender specific. They're just activities like leading or cooking or hunting. Uh, women can hunt and men can cook. Decision-making, creating, those are activities. So I, I wanna encourage you not to look at the roles, but to look at really the substance of um, what's going on here in the soul as we talk about these two attributes. We've assigned certain roles to men and women sometimes, but what if instead we learn to be fully human? 
What if we learn to express all that he is and be fully who we are in the Lord and allowed him to tell us what our giftings and our activities should be? Uh, and he would take us away from some of these rigid roles and bring us into more the freedom of what we're designed to be. I would encourage you to ask the Lord about that. So we are very comfortable thinking of God as masculine, and we should be. Um, we address him as father, we address him as he. We pray our father. And as father, he acts, he initiates, he creates, and recognizing him as father is critical to the imagery in our heart because father can bless, he can affirm, he can direct, he can correct, he can give us identity as only a father can. He's full of authority and justice and courage and leadership. We can really trust this kind of father. He has the, he has the authority and he has the power to make wrong things right. But he also has feminine characteristics that sometimes we're less comfortable with. And in fact, in his first full description of himself, portraying himself, this is in Exodus 34, beginning in verse five. Here's what he says about himself. And up till now, he's been revealed in Genesis and Exodus as the I am. He is the sovereign God, the God who moves, who acts. We, we see what he does, but this is his first full description of himself. And the Lord passed before him, that's he passed before Moses in the cloud. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. So they knew him as one who was supreme, but now he is revealed to them as one who is tender. And he has these feminine traits, this nurturing kind of love. So since God holds within himself, masculine and feminine, he wants to restore to each one of us the polarity, the difference, and the complementarity of the true masculine and the true feminine, for they are different. And we need both the divergence and the convergence of these. Sarah Bessie wrote, God didn't set up a masculine rule as his standard and plan for humanity. No, it was masculine and feminine together, bearing the image of God. New Testament scholar Daniel Kirk says, only this kind of shared participation in representing God's reign to the world is capable of doing justice to the God whose image we bear. So in this shared participation with us, uh, he calls for both the masculine and the feminine together to reflect his image. And this is important for the church to understand. So we're to reflect both attributes of God. That's the fullness of our humanity. And as I said, the masculine is holy strength. The true feminine is holy beauty. Uh, now, the masculine in a man will look, will look different than the masculine in a woman, and it should, and the feminine in a woman will look different than the feminine in a man. But we are more fully who we are when we're comfortable with what we consider the opposite attribute. A truly feminine woman 
is in touch with her masculine attribute and a truly masculine man is in touch with his feminine attributes. A woman needs the good of reason. She needs the power to initiate. She needs the strength to speak. Uh, in her own voice, and the truly masculine man needs to be able to, re to respond to God and to respond to others and to receive from others. The feminine takes in, and then the masculine takes hold of what's been taken in. That's them operating in tandem. C.S. Lewis wrote, there ought spiritually to be in every man a woman and in every woman a man interesting to consider. We can't have the true masculine and the true feminine attributes unless they're well integrated within us. Otherwise, we just lean too heavily and we overbalance on one or the other. And so often we have been split off from one of these attributes. Um, sometimes that's even been taught in the church. But our Redeemer has healing for us. And as we gain greater understanding of this, sometimes that in itself is healing. So let's look at the two sets of attributes. What is the true masculine and what is the true feminine? The true masculine in both men and women is the power to initiate, to act, to launch out. It includes conceiving of something and giving shape to it. Defining, organizing, constructing, forming, whether it's an idea or an organization or an object, uh, and analyzing and editing where it's necessary. The masculine organizes, leads, and exerts benevolent authority. It orients, directs, and takes responsibility for what it's begun, and then is able to make difficult choices and uh, pierce through difficulties that come up. When choices are made, there has to be an ability to continue to stand firm in our convictions and in the truth. And the true masculine is able to do that. Uh, the true masculine sets boundaries and it determines what is beneficial and safe for those under its care. It confronts where necessary, protects where necessary. The attributes of courage, justice, integrity, conviction are all there, yet with gentleness because th these are all important in the masculine. The masculine is able to receive from others, but resist manipulation from others. So there's this strength of character that really brings stability. The person knows and acknowledges their own weakness, repents where needed, and doesn't present a false front. So in short, the true masculine makes choices even when they're difficult, and stands in them with courage and fortitude. And we see all of this in God. We see all of this masculine in God. So what does the, the masculine in particular look like in a man? Dr. Jeffrey Satinover wrote, we understand much about a man when we are able to describe the role of masculinity in his life in what he embodies or fails to embody, and how it relates to the feminine qualities in his character. Whether he honors these or no, whether he accepts them in proper measure, whether he re receives the feminine, whether he loves them or hates them, and whether masculine and feminine within him serve each other or are at war. In many people, 
the feminine and the masculine are at war within. Pope John Paul II wrote, the dignity of every woman is the responsibility of every man. So a godly man gives dignity and honor to women. And you know, men are in a unique position as God has granted them headship. They are in a unique position to invite women into shared participation in that headship. We see this in 1 Peter 3, 7, where uh, Peter exhorts husbands to be considerate to their wives and show them honor as uh, joint heirs in life together. So in uh, men, the true masculine attracts women who are healthy and he's able to bless and affirm the feminine in women. He isn't macho in his approach. He's able to be gentle and he's not centered in what he does, but in who he actually is. He's able to embrace his sexuality and respond and be fully alive to his wife in that area. Men are strengthened. Men are strengthened in their masculine as they receive women in their feminine. And they receive the feminine power to be and to respond. And this is important. Uh, a masculine man reflects self-acceptance. He knows his strength and his weaknesses because he knows he's been accepted by the Father. A truly masculine man is able to stand in the truth and speak the truth and be the truth and bring order to things. He uses his God-given authority to protect those around him. And he can step into a disordered situation and bring order. So masculine qualities are more in the doing uh, and they're more, tend to be more cognitive, more rational, more scientific. That means if a man doesn't have the true feminine in his soul, if he doesn't have this complementarity, the false masculine is gonna take over and he's gonna become too cognitive. So these capacities need to complement one another and to act in tandem. When a man honors women, he honors the true feminine and he's strengthened in that grace. So let's uh, look for a minute at the false masculine operating in a man and what that looks like. Okay. So what really characterizes the false is insecurity. This is a man who is insecure. Instead of uh, having self-acceptance, he feels unaffirmed in his true identity. And so he lacks this connectivity and this intimacy with God and with others. Uh, so what is he gonna do since he doesn't have uh, his true being? He's gonna use his activities, some kind of activism to try to define himself because he doesn't have a solid center within. He's able to do, but he's just not able to be. A man in this position is going to get his identity through his roles. Work, sports, economic conquests, sexual prowess. And this sort of echoes the curse of Genesis 3, that he'll work by the sweat of his brow. Often there's a drive for money, there's a drive for power, there's a drive for position to gain worth. And that's a perversion of the true masculine. It's so dangerous because it really is a perversion. And all of that driven activity 
results in emotional numbness and a hiddenness in the man. It cuts him off from the good of the feminine because he feels so threatened by it. And when he's split off from this, he's split off from his own intuitive heart. So he can't really experience God and others in healthy ways. He's fleeing from his intuition. He's fleeing from his feelings and he's often fleeing from real relationships. So men stuck in the false masculine can be overly objective, overly scientific. They can demand a reason for everything and just be very dependent on analysis only. Um, so it's a defense from being tender and being vulnerable. This man may try to um, control by domination, by intimidation, and really, uh, he's going to perpetrate real pain on others by doing this. He, can, he may intimidate, manipulate, force others to meet his counterfeit expectations. Because um, when a man doesn't step into his true authority and know what he who he really is, he is going to substitute control for that. If he refuses to let the feminine qualities in, He'll demand the logical, he'll demand the provable, and that really insulates him from his own intuitive heart. He needs the true feminine in order to be responsive to God, in order to hear the Holy Spirit, and that's so central to our Christian lives. But the false masculine would keep him in that activism, driving for power, and it really hides that a deeper yearning in him for the quiet presence of the Lord, to really know the Lord, to really listen. Okay, so that's the true masculine and the false masculine. Now let's look at the true feminine. The true feminine in both men and women is, it's of the heart, it's of the being. It's more intuitive and uh, this dimension of our soul is so beautiful because it's, our ability to respond to the Lord and to others. And you know, when we respond to the Lord, we're given the capacity to respond to even more. So it's relational, it's responsive to God, to others, to nature, and it has a true ability to receive. It has receptivity. And we see this in Luke 1, when Mary, the angel of the Lord, comes to visit Mary with this incredible announcement. And Mary responds and just with such simplicity, but she is in the true feminine. She receives and she says, be it unto me according to your will. And then she was able to receive the seed of the, of the Lord. And then she was able to be pregnant and protect that pregnancy and, um, and carry it to fulfillment. And it's the same with us as we receive from the Lord, as we protect that seed He gives us. What comes from that is the true and the beautiful. And the more we say yes to Him, the more we receive. The same thing with Mary of Bethany. She sat at the feet of Jesus and uh, received. And that's just a picture of not just the female, even though she was female, but of the feminine sitting and receiving from the Lord, listening, waiting, surrendering to him. So the true feminine receives and then it's able to nurture what it's received, to bring it to creation and to protect the young that are emerging. Uh, it's the inclination of the, of the feminine to protect those who are weak, to sense danger, to discern and sense what someone truly needs. And this is, a, this is usually a, 
a quiet knowing at a deeper intuitive level. So if the true feminine is surrender, that ability to yield and submit appropriately to what's good and true, then there's a tenderness in that vulnerability, but deep strength can rise out of that. All right, so what does the true feminine look like in a woman, in the gender of woman? Larry Crabb says, a woman is feminine when she relates in a way that invites others to see something about God that is irresistibly attractive, something about the relational nature of God that she was created to enjoy and reveal. She invites movement toward her and embraces the movement she receives. She invites rather than demands or controls. She civilizes and softens the masculine in a man. Just like the true masculine uh, in, in a man strengthens the feminine in a woman. And when she receives and honors the true masculine in a man, she is strengthened in that grace herself. But the true feminine always needs to be wedded to and balanced with the true masculine. And if it's not, then the false feminine abounds. So let me talk about the false feminine. Like the false masculine, it is characterized by insecurity, especially by passivity. So this passivity may turn into a sloth. A sloth is just that unwillingness to show up to life, that unwillingness to engage with all of your passion, with all of your desires, with all of your presence available. And this often leads to depression. And by the way, there is a much greater percentage of depression presenting in women than in men. This results in depression because there's not a real living person in there. Uh, living from their own being. They're just being in this sort of passive way, but they can't initiate, they can't build, they can't move forward. Passivity is not receptivity. It's not. It's just simply a person being acted upon. And that is never what the Lord wants for us. And this overly submissive compliance it just means someone else is making your decisions for you and you've lost your own true voice and you've given up your decisions, you've given up the good of reasons and you've given up your true self. And God wants to help us recapture that anywhere we've given that up. So the false feminine has underdeveloped masculine. Um, this person may sense something but they're unable to give it form. They're unable to give it substance. They're unable to, to give it direction. They feel, but they don't know sort of what to do with it and, and shape it and take it further. They have difficulty in editing, in giving order and direction to thought. There's a lack of clarity sometimes, a lack of vision, because things are just based predominantly on intuition and and feelings, which are good, but they need to be shaped and formed. Uh, this can even develop into a kind of hyper-spirituality. So the false uses roles and activities uh, as a substitute for the self. I said that a while ago when I was talking about the false masculine. It's also in the feminine characterized by codependency, orbiting around someone else's neediness or darkness or demands or feelings. We can so bend into another person's pain or neediness that we end up coddling them instead of loving them but being truthful. 
The false feminine also can easily be deceived or manipulated into meeting the counterfeit expectations of other people. But it can also in turn seduce and manipulate, which is a perversion of the true feminine power of appeal. So talk about women in the false feminine. Women actually suffer so much in broken relationships and that also is reflected in Genesis 3 when it says her desire, her inordinate desire shall be for her husband and she'll have pain in childbearing. Um, Dr. Carla Waterman writes how the false feminine can emerge in a woman uh, in a deep desire to change another person's life. The desire may be good, but how we go about it can be very destructive. We can so passionately want what we think is right for someone else that we actually trespass their boundaries and we stop seeing them objectively. Um, and even in marriage, uh, normal human desires get very hyper-focused on someone who may not be recipro reciprocating or who may not be the ideal that we thought they were. And so all of our need we see through this lens and we interpret everything they do along this grid of what we want to happen, our grid for them. And Christian women may have a godly desire. They want their husbands to be more responsive to them. They want their husbands to be more responsive to the Lord. So then they start trying to find ways to get their husband to open up and to be more intimate. And But that's the false feminine, trying to engineer a way into someone else's heart. And that is manipulative. And um, that's trespassing on their will, as I said. Only the Lord is able to work good in another person. Only the Lord is able to change another person. We use our true voice, but we don't use manipulation. And we have to let go of, of, of our control. We have to let go of all the means we've tried to make to crawl into their internal space. So if I as a woman refuse to let both the true feminine and the true masculine traits develop well within me and be in balance within me, I'm gonna become uh, overly dependent, I'm gonna become overly passive, compliant, and I'll be controlled by others or I'll become controlling. Um, if, or if I've been damaged as a woman and out of that pain and anger, I take on some kind of masculine demeanor of self-protection, that's also the false. So the false masculine and the false feminine are at enmity with one another. And men and women are very different, but God did not intend for, for enmity. He, fent, he intended for polarity and complementarity. So when there's the false, there is always a power struggle and it's always based in lies and control. And instead of serving one another with honor, we end up in this enmity with one another. So when the true masculine is feared or hated, that's called misandry. And usually that is a response to some pain that's been perpetrated by men. When the true feminine is feared and hated, that's called misogyny. And those who are threatened by the true feminine will diminish the true feminine, and they'll often try to destroy it out of fear. 
Misogyny really splits us off from our beautiful heart, from our intuition, and that ability to experience God and to experience others well. Men and women who are in misogyny, and women can be in it too, run from the true feminine. They run from the feelings. They run from intuition. And it, uh, it often, what misogyny often looks like is a devaluing and a disrespecting of women, making the feminine less valuable. As a result of misogyny, sometimes women are taught to put to death the masculine within them that ability to shape, to speak, to initiate. And they never had permission to fully be. Some Christian women believe this pleases God, but it doesn't. And God gives you permission today to be yourself, to have your voice, to initiate and shape and speak. He wants to heal that within us. For both men and women, when we have discomfort in the true masculine or the true feminine, that causes us to lapse into the false. A truly masculine man is in touch with his feminine attributes, with intuition and wisdom and nurture as he leads and initiates. And a truly feminine woman is in touch with her masculine attributes. And she can initiate and build without damaging, without controlling, and without trespassing the boundaries of others. So, the Lord's healing for us is about restoring this polarity and complementarity of the true masculine and the true feminine, wedding them together. The feminine in us takes in the word. We listen, we receive. Then the masculine in us acts and builds on it. The false feminine is only capable of being acted upon. The false masculine plunges us into building without first submitting and receiving, but the true working together are wonderful. And by the way, you might uh, wanna look in scripture at the life of Jeremiah, the life of Deborah, the life of David. David, you're gonna see both the true masculine and the true feminine operative. All right, so I would like to take the last few minutes and pray for us in this area of our soul. So thank you, Lord. We welcome your Holy Spirit. Healer, we say, come and heal us. Redeemer, come and redeem what is broken in this area. Maybe we haven't even recognized it until now, but we need more of the truth and we need the truth in balance. And we know Lord, that you are able to do this for us. You're able to come and heal our soul because you love how you've made us. And you made each one of us a woman or a man. And you planted with each, within each one of us the attributes of femininity and the attributes of masculinity. So thank you. Thank you, Lord. So I just want to invite you as we begin to take a minute Maybe it's time to repent of any, um, any self-hatred that you've had or lack of self-acceptance or hostility toward the Lord or others or rebellion for actually being the gender you are, for being a man or being a woman. Maybe it's caused you pain. Maybe others have created pain for you. Um, maybe there are parts of your body or parts of yourself you haven't liked. I just want to invite you 
to name that before the Lord just now and repent of that. As part of this, you may need to forgive someone who's wounded you in your identity as a male, who's wounded you in your identity as a female, who's wounded you in your gender. I invite you to do that now. Take in the grace and the power and the strengthening of the Lord to forgive and release any who have wounded you in this way. As we forgive, then he lifts from us the effects of their sin and harm against us. Thank you, Lord. Reveal that now, Lord. Reveal that, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you release the true feminine into us? And would you release the true masculine in us? You who are the fullness of masculine and feminine. Lord, thank you we're created in your image and we ask you to release your image into us. And for women, I pray you would fill them with both the feminine and the masculine as they receive from you. Lord, fill men with both as they receive from you. Balance within each soul, the masculine and the feminine. Where the feminine's been too small, bring it to life, Lord, and wed it to the masculine. Where the masculine has been too small, bring it to life, Lord. Where one has been overbalanced, shrink it, Lord. Let, let these come and dance together. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing this work. For any who have been um, stuck in the place of the false feminine, just uh, repent of your passivity just now. Repent of any passivity. Repent of codependency. Repent of manipulation, of control of any idolatry toward another person that you have looked to or that you've tried to change. Lord, as they repent, release them from their sin and restore to them the beauty, the beauty of the true feminine, the holy strength of it. Thank you, Lord. For any who have felt they had to be strong their whole life, and they've lost the power to really nurture, Lord. Uh, they've lost that true feminine. I ask you to heal and restore that. Take off their shoulders any false responsibility and restore the true feminine. Any who can only respond to others, they can't seem to make their own decisions. They can't seem to find their own voice. They've lost the true masculine. I ask you to heal and restore that and balance that and grant them a new ability to initiate and speak and move forward and analyze and act and reason. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that as you come and meet each one of us, we can develop in this. I ask you to heal any gender confusion. Awaken within each of us, anything that's been covered over, that's been asleep. Bring it to life, Lord. 
Call it to life, the true masculine and the true feminine. Bring it to order and bring it to balance, Lord. For women who need more of the true masculine, uh, Lord, impart that authority, that decision-making, that truth. Let it come strongly into their soul. And women who need more of the feminine and who've shunned it, Lord, as they repent, heal this. Heal this so they won't fear tenderness, so they won't fear the feminine, so that they won't fear intuition, but they'll be able to fully receive the good of the true feminine. Bring all within order in our soul by the power of the cross. And we thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me again. And uh, if you want to get the notes to this, my website is www.barbarabyers.com. I hope you'll join me next time.